Let's start with some tough love, all right? You two suck. Say my name. That's what the kids call Prissy guy with the mustache. You're listening to Inside the Gillivers, talking all things Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. Brought to you by Stewart Travel Guitars. See the incredible stowaway travel guitar at stewartguitars.com. Also brought to you by Idea Bench, makers of hot rod inspired pedal boards and pedal board accessories at ideabench.com. Microphones for Inside the Gillivers are brought to you by Road Microphones. Now, please welcome your host, Eric Bra. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for tuning in for episode 15 of Inside the Gillivers, where we talk all things Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. My name is Eric Broadbent, and it comes with great pleasure to welcome tonight's guest. You know him as writer, director, producer from Better Call Saul, Emmy Award nominee 2020 from this year. I mean, crazy 2020 year. Uh, Anyways, he's here. Gordon Smith. How are you, Gordon? Doing well, Eric. How are you doing? Doing very, very well. It's been nice to have about five or ten minutes with you off air as we kind of get relaxed here and sit back and get ready for uh, some great discussion. But it's a real pleasure to have you here. And uh, as I saw on Twitter tonight from some of our followers and friends, the Gillivers family, I call them, uh, they really enjoy these writer series. And uh, I'm happy to announce that we have a few coming up. You know, it's it's been great having Tom as a co-host, as being one of the writers as well, too. And we love this stuff. And I know we're going to have so many, you know, how did you do that questions tonight? And uh, I look forward to it. And I'm sure you don't mind talking shop a little bit. I'll do my best. Yeah, you, I'm sure you're going to do very, very well. Okay, so we got a million questions coming in right off the hop. And I have a few questions for you, but I always like to save mine, put them aside, you know, and then I, I like to give the fans uh, their shot first. But one of our first questions it was from Karina. She's a friend of ours, a, a Gilliver's family member, and she's also a member of our YouTube channel. She says, you've written the best Mike-centric episodes from your first one, five zero in season one to the brilliant Masterpiece, uh, masterpiece episode, Bagman, in season five, both Emmy-nominated for writing, by the way. Uh, is Mike's get up? I have people waiting for me. Speech at the end of Bagman, uh, the one that you're most proud of writing for Mike. Um, I mean, it, it, it's tricky because there's you know the first speech that I got to the big speech that I got to write at the end of episode 106 um, for 50, where he's talking about the death of his son, was so pointed and poignant and. Uh, it was my, you know, first first big encounter with being able to write something like that for for an actor of, of Jonathan Banks's caliber. So it's near and dear my heart. Um, I do think that the, the the challenge. I feel like in a weird way the the Bagman speech was a little bit more challenging just because we've done some of those speeches before and mm-hmm. finding a nuance and a color uh, that felt new and felt important and felt like you know what we haven't actually had heard this specific, you know, constellation of thoughts from, from Mike, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of this show is threading the needle and that felt like threading the needle very carefully because we had to, you know, know what we have done and also what happens in, in Breaking Bad. So, uh, I'm, I'm proud of both, but that one was, that was, that was very challenging to figure out that, that that was going to be a climactic thing in that episode that, needed to be just so to kind of move us into the rest of it yeah and what what a great episode with bagman i mean the, uh, whether you want to see uh, you know jimmy and mike have some uh, time together over the course of you know several episodes whether you want to see a little bit here or a whole bunch of time but you, you certainly got your fill with that episode you know whether they it wasn't the best circumstances for the two of them but they got some real bonding time and just watching, I mean, I, I love J- Jimmy is Jimmy and Saul are one of my favorite characters on the show. I, I love uh, uh, Kim Wexler. You know, I, I mean, people ask me this question all the time. Who's your favorite? And it's so hard. And especially with the the roles and, and the stories that you writers give them. I mean, it's so easy to love them all. Even the ones that you hate, you love them because they're such talent. Um, but just watching, you know, the dynamic between the two of them and Mike being the survivalist. Like I, I was even telling the boy, look what he's doing there with the water, you know, like, you know, kind of uh, with moss and putting the tarp over it. So there's a little bit of water in the morning, like survivalist, right? You know, just little things like that was so very, very cool. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, that was that we kind of felt paid the proper respect to the character. It felt like something that he would know. We've, we've implied, if not actively stated, that he was a soldier at some point, he was a cop at some point. Um, it, it just felt like it would be in his wheelhouse to know something about a solar still. Um, and so that, that, uh, 
that was fun to do and fun to kind of explain to, to folks like, all right, this is, what, this is how this works. And we had to figure out exactly where, you know, where we could do it because that particular setup, um, you know, that location was an actual location um, for the daytime. In the daytime sequences, it's all out in the desert, out in, in Tahajali. Um, but then we needed to build for the night. We just, it was completely impractical to shoot the night sequence out there. It's too far out. We would never be able to light it. We'd never be able to get power out there. So uh, we we had to build on stage. So when we were blocking where things could be that happened in any relationship to that, you know, Vince had to kind of carefully figure out like, okay, this needs to happen. This is about how big it needs to be. So, okay, so this, this can happen here. That won't mess up my shots. Uh, that won't make any problems for when we're you know, if it, was, if it was too close to where they were doing their night scene, then we would need to build the 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 still on stage as well as out in the real world. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to play to that, so uh, so yeah, so it was a challenge. The soundstage. I mean, I saw a lot of the behind the scenes stuff for for the soundstage for that shot. I mean, it looked very very convincing. I mean, when you're told it's a soundstage, and if you really want to get the eagle eye, I mean, even then, I still don't think you're the the average person. You know, people that are on the crew would know, but us fans looking from the outside looking in would not know. It was very very well done, and even the lighting. I mean, that goes to show you with with Marshall and, and his team and everything like that. But like, you know, the glow sticks, you know, everything or the heat sticks, whatever. You know, just with the, the uh, just the way everything is just put together is just absolutely beautiful uh so kudos on a great episode and i well we are we do have some things on the agenda to talk about you know your directorial debut but having vince direct that episode was there were were you kind of mentally taking some notes you know as things are happening uh with vince um yes it's always great to watch vince work i've I've been on set with him before Mm -hmm. you know several times um and uh, it's always he's he's you know he's brilliant and his eye is just unparalleled. So he knows exactly where he wants things. It's it's interesting because he has such a strong visualization of a scene, but he's also very willing to get there on the day and throw it out. So he's fle- both both rigid and flexible, and that's a skill that's that's very hard to come by. You know he he knows what he he's looking for, but he's also open to seeing something better. Um, which that, that is definitely something that I was, you know, happy to, to, to learn from and to, sure. to do my best with. Awesome. Well, here's a good question from Arabella, and you, and some of the questions, if they, they could be, um, you may not be able to comment on them, but I think this one's pretty pretty normal. She says, uh, my question for Gordon is, what episode are you currently working on? Uh, and a yes or no question without any spoilers, have you guys decided how the show is going to end? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I'll take the I'll take the last part first. Okay, good. Um, we have we we haven't until it's done we nothing's done but uh, and we're not, we're a few episodes we're we're currently in the midst of working on um, like episode nine we're working on right now breaking so um, yeah so we're we're a little bit away from from knowing exactly we're doing thirteen this 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 year um, so we're a little bit away from being certain. We have a very strong idea of what we want or some mm-hmm. version of what we think would be a satisfying ending. But as we constantly say in the room, the devil's in the details. Mm-hmm. So, you know, things when you, when you have, you can have a strong idea about something. And then when you actually start asking the questions of like, all right, how does that work? Really? How does that work? Really? How would you stage that? Really? What does that look like? Uh, sometimes it becomes impossible or just doesn't actually work or it doesn't say the thing that you want it to say. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't go with what you've broken. So we may, we may surprise ourselves. Um, I think we've been talking about some version of an ending that we, we like for quite some time. So I think, I think there's a chance that it'll stick or some version of it will stick. Like the, the Bagman episode, the, Mike and Jimmy wandering in the desert together had been a pitch and as an image for probably since the first season was wow. idea. Oh, wouldn't it be great to have them handcuffed together, walking through the desert, drinking each other's urine. That was, <laughs> it was always the pitch. It was like this image yeah. that Peter had and, and loved. And we always like, yeah, that's great. And we'd try it, see if we could find some version of it. And you can see it's, that's, that's not what we did, No, but that is what we did. So, 
it, it, it's that kind of thing that, that I feel like. Um, and the other question, so what am I, what are we working on? Yes, I'm, I'm episode three. I think I can say that safely, um, that I'm, I'm writing episode three for next, uh, season. Um, so I'm working on that. That's nice. That's, and I, th I think Tom, <clears throat> Tom had said, and I, I think this is, um, I'm, well, actually, no, I shouldn't say. Um, he didn't give me any spoilers or anything like that. I'm just saying it was an episode that he would said, you, you guys, I, I could probably say this. I'll phrase the question this way. Um, you guys are, as a team, are much further than episode three. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're much further down. We're, we're, we're in, we're quarters of the way through. Perfect. That's right in the. Yeah, that's right in the wheelhouse that Tom told me as well too. I just didn't want to put words in anyone's mouths, of, so to speak. So perfect, that's great. Um, so great episodes, great question from Arabella. Uh, here's a really good one from Lenny. Lenny says, "In fifty percent off, when Jimmy prepares his monologue at the courthouse, I noticed the show used a little bit of walk and talk. Uh, would you use that in season six because that really brings out uh, so when he's so, so much when he's in action." Um, I mean. We, we, we try and use whatever techniques we can, you know? Um, so it was very effective there. And I feel like, uh, you know, if we, if a, if a sequence presents itself, I think it's, it's more, we try and match our techniques to our stories because of the way that we work, we work starting with, a with, with our, you know, where we are in the room with the writing and then sort of figure out. And, and sometimes that happens at the same time. Sometimes it's, you know, the only way, the best way to visually present that is going to be this, and it, it all kind of comes together. But sometimes it's, it's, it, we figure it out on the day. So, you know, if, if there's certainly, if there's something that feels like a walk and talk and we, we know it and we know that that's what it, it needs to be, we'll, we'll, we will use it happily. So, so maybe we'll use it in, in season It really depends on kind of what, what we're doing, which I could, can't really talk about. Of so. course, exactly. Before I ask a super chat question here, this is coming out from Shashank Vachari. Um, now I'm trying to remember if I, if I actually retained the thought. Oh, yes. Um, I'll go to his question first because I lost it. It was shot, uh, super chat from Shashank Vachari. says, do you believe big moments in an episode are a sudden collision of events or a steady chain of events preceding uh, that they finally explode? Interesting. Um, I think both techniques have merit. I think sometimes a surprise that really just comes, that the blindsides you um, can be effective. I do think, I do think it, it feels to me like you, you kind of want to surprise, this is just a personal taste thing. And I think it's sometimes for the show is that it's something that is surprising, but feels like you've been prepared for it. That's the surprise that kind of makes you go, Oh, I, I knew it, or I, you you felt it coming, even if you didn't know the the specific uh, the specific thing. You mm -hmm. know, um, I feel like we did we did that. I, I feel like pretty well in in um, chicanery, where you didn't really. Uh, hopefully, you didn't know for sure how, all the dimensions of how the the cell phone in the pocket for for Chuck was going to work, but you could kind of feel that Jimmy there, that you had to know that there was going to be something. Jimmy mm -hmm. wasn't just going to go quietly into that good night. Uh, so it felt like that was a surprise, hopefully, but it was a surprise that had been set up in a way that made it, when it came, you go, Oh, that's what it was. That's the thing. Um, you know, versus I'm a big, not, I'm not sure what the opposite of a proponent is. Like I, I watch a lot of horror movies and the, the movies that I don't, I don't particularly like jump scares because I just feel like that's being startled. That's yeah. not being scared. Yeah. And so I feel like you can startle people with with a change in events a lot. But if you haven't done what you're saying, building to something that, that suddenly comes out of the events, uh, I feel like that's, that can be more satisfying. I agree. Again, not, 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 not saying either is, is both, both are worthwhile techniques sometimes, but, uh, I guess I would prefer things to kind of develop out of the events and then blow up. Oh, I agree. You, you could put 20 people in a room and probably all 20 of those people could scare somebody like and film like a little, a little home budget movie and scare them really bad. But out of those 20, who can actually write something really good dramatically without a jump scare and to have that impact? So yeah, very, very well said. Um, what I was going to say, I remembered very quickly, and this would be a very brief question for myself. So I know Tom has said this a million times and, and Vince has said this a million times, and I'm sure all of you have, like, this is something you all 
acknowledge you you kind of love and hate painting yourselves into a corner and that's kind of nice you get into a corner now how do we get out of this so you're three quarters of the way through the season so somewhere around that neighborhood for season six how many corners if any of you painted yourself into so far i mean the whole show is one big corner <laughs> in so many ways so uh yeah the corners get tighter and tighter <laughs> claustrophobic so um which again like like you say i mean i i can't remember like it was it maybe john dunn like it's been a long time since i studied english poetry but um there was a poem about sonnets being great riches in a narrow room and like that's that the form the the com the density of the form and the, the strictness of the form can can sort of open up possibilities because you have to adhere to them and so we have we have sort of some strictures that we have to adhere to and some plot points that we have to adhere to, um, which is a pain. And when <laughs> we're actually bumping up against them, there's nothing fun and no one's like, what a great opportunity. Yeah. This is awesome. Everyone's like, this is, this sucks. I don't, I don't like this. I wish we hadn't done something. I would, you know, I wish this, this decision that was made that made sense at the time mm -hmm. that now we have to kind of like explain, I wish we hadn't done that. We, we do it all the time, but in the end, usually once we've, butted our heads against it and you know driven ourselves a little bit nuts um we, we come up with something that's actually hopefully feels richer because of it because you kind of go all right well th there's a whole wild woolly world of, out there so if you can come up with a thing that makes something that was a problem make sense then it feels like that thing that was a problem was set there to set up something else yeah yeah so you know what it kind of reminds me of? Um, I'm assuming you're probably a bit of a Simpsons fan. I, at least I am. I haven't watched them much anymore, but you know, the, one of the Treehouse of Horrors, probably around, probably season around 15, 16, somewhere in that neighborhood. You know, the, probably earlier than that, even Homer goes back in time and, you know, he steps on the snake, whatever, and then it totally, it, yeah, everything goes, it ruins everything in the forward. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, oh gosh, that's time. I think it's Treehouse five in season six. Oh, way back. Okay. So way back. Yeah. And, time and punishment. And that's kind of like what what's happening with the, with these characters are already set in stone, especially with the Breaking Bad characters. You know, like if we can't we can't do this because they have to be here. This person's not here, so they can't do that. I, I can I don't want to be in your shoes. I love to watch, but I not want to be in your shoes. Yes. Yeah. No. It it, it is a challenge. I, it is, you know, it's interesting, and it's it's I, I I think more than most shows, we are we really kind of are walking in the shoes of tragedy, like this yeah. classical tragedy models, because we, the future is sort of written in a way that not obviously not all of it, because we have the gene part of the story, but the future, some part of the future is written mm -hmm. and you can kind of track and say, well, I get why you would make some of these decisions, but no, they're leading you to this place. You know, it's like, Oh, Oedipus, don't kill your dad. Like <laughs> yeah. you just kind of, you know that there's some something driving you and you know that the choices that are going to get you there are the choices that the character's making so yeah i guess I, we could we could we could uh, give a tom a reference here bad choice road right it's a road we go down and you, you just don't know what's going to happen but you get on that road and it's you made the choice here's a good question from Lori gordon uh she says uh what episode of better call saul are you the most proud of and why and I mean, it might not be maybe it might not be the biggest uh, award nominee one, or it could be anything. Which one are you proud of the most, and why? I mean, I, I'm I'm proud I'm I, I am proud of all, many of them for various different reasons because they they sort of all have pressed me. I feel it's a little bit of a Sophie's Choice where I, I can't. It's hard. For, it would be very hard for me to 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 pick. Um, you know. I'm very proud of the work that we did on Bagman because it was so grueling and it felt like it felt like being a survivalist um, and being able to do that. Uh, very physical filmmaking and very cinematic filmmaking. Um, I'm very proud of of chicanery because you know uh, my 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 mother was a lawyer and she died just after or just before we started breaking that episode. Oh wow! And so there was kind of a feeling of for me at least of kind of doing right by the lawyers out there uh, doing the best I could you know as a non-lawyer um, to to sort of do do that kind of showcase piece um, obviously 5-0 is, is my first episode of television so 
there's there's a lot of uh, stuff, and obviously, I'm in uh, there's something that I'm very proud of in every episode that I've done, and there's something that I'm proud of in episodes that I didn't write because we're so collaborative. Yeah, contributions. And, you know, everyone's fingerprints are are on everybody's scripts in a way, in a in a good way, in the way that's that's the best version of of collaboration where somebody else had an idea and you went, oh, that's a better idea than anything I could have come up with. I'm so glad you're here. Yep. I'm taking it. We're using it. We're, because it's not I'm taking it. I'm not stealing it for something else. We're all making the same show. So, uh, yeah. So, the, I, I feel proud of things that are scattered throughout the whole. I uh, get it. I get it. In the music world, as myself being a musician, uh, maybe the bass player has written the song. We're on stage and jamming. And I, I play a little lick over the thing that he's wrote. And he nods over. And it, you just feel that, right? So, you've contributed something to it for the betterment. That's awesome. Um, this is a good question from, this was from Andrea. It's got to find it again. And you, we're talking about Bagman. This is a perfect uh, continuation. She says, uh, Bagman feels more likely to be assigned to Breaking Bad, kind of a Breaking Bad vibe. What made you choose to go uh, in a completely different direction than usual Better Call Saul? So yeah, kind of cinematic, kind of movie-esque. And I know you've been quoted in a lot of interviews saying it was almost a standalone in a lot of areas. Um, but it did seem like a bit of a um, kind of a darker uh, kind of a nod to Breaking Bad, but maybe you can explain some of that. Um, I mean, I I feel like really I've emerged from from where we were in the season, and we sort of were asking questions about, you know, he, he, here's this guy, he's started calling himself Saul Goodman. He's, mm-hmm. he's sort of changing his name, not just kind of, and and in a professional capacity. You know, he'd been doing it selling cell phones, which. You know, that's that's one thing. But he'd been doing that. He's, he's doing it as, as a lawyer now, which is a big change for him in, in, in the season. And we kind of were wondering, you know, a lot a lot of I feel like the architecture of season five was about pushing that decision and saying, all right, so this is what your decision is. How, how far are you really to go? Are you so much of our, our discussion is, is he Saul Goodman? And when we when we say that, we don't mean is he calling himself Saul Goodman or even is he wearing the suits, but sort of like is the guy that we meet in Breaking Bad who feels broken in a certain way, is it this guy? Is, that, is it that guy? Would he one of the one of the questions we ask all the time is like, would he suggest killing one of his clients as a solution to a problem? Yeah. You know, then we know we're not there. We know something, we know there's still story left. And so for season five, we felt like, what what does it look like when you when you take Jimmy, and he's calling himself Saul Goodman, and he's he's talking a good game. What what happens when he's thrown in with criminal elements that are beyond what he's used to? That are he, that are the thing that he sort of he, they're they're the size of his swagger, but they're not necessarily the size of his heart mm-hmm. at this point. And so it felt important to us to kind of really rub his nose in that and that's that was what led to um i, I think that was what led, led to both bagman and bad choice road in a lot of ways because ba- bagman was about sort of going through it it was the walk in the desert it's a very classic trope in literature and films it's it's the, the trial in the desert and uh that felt important and then for us it was also and then ba- bad choice road was so much saying we can't that, that can't be a thing that seals itself off and then it's done. It's a huge trauma. What does that look like? What, wh- how does he get through that? How does that change things? And so, you know, for us, I think it was, a, it was those two, two elements were, were very important. Uh, and they kind of, they kind of dictated the, the form of it. It was more like, you know, you, we could have sort of had them break down in a, a desert and then, you know, done a, done a series of dissolves and they walk out and they're in bad shape. But you don't really feel like somebody went through something. No, you you're not sort of stuck with them, and you're not stuck with them asking questions about what they're willing to do in the desert. Um, so that was that was that, that was sort of how that whole thing kind of came together. Was about saying no. Once they're out there, once this happens, once once we're in this, if Jimmy's willing to go and get seven million dollars illegally, he's not supposed to be doing this. No, right? he's not, you're not supposed to take. You're not supposed to have seven million dollars cross the border. No, no. So once he's willing to do that, what's what else is he willing to do? And and is he what's what's the thing that's driving him on? So mm-hmm. yeah, it was really more of a question of for me at least. I think 
answering questions about the character that led us. And I think the reason that it may feel more Breaking Badish, maybe, is is that we're getting closer to it. That guy mm-hmm. is getting closer and closer incrementally. He's he's one step closer, and he's one step closer. And that was those were those were big steps, both going through it and then coming home and figuring out how to live with it two huge steps in the character's evolution so yeah well think of it even on a smaller scale as well too like we're talking about seven million dollars crossing borders is something you don't do but let's just say it was for five thousand dollars and jimmy's volunteering to go pick it up <clears throat> we know it's dirty money that alone is a crime you know i mean there should be you could put someone else as a middleman go get it jimmy doesn't know it's a crime he doesn't know he brings in the money gets the bond he's out lala's out but i mean he went in knowing that it was gonna be dirty money so even that was breaking the line we're seeing you know kim and jimmy doing those things bending the rules you know uh mail fraud you know all the you know uh, previous seasons as well too so yeah it's a great fun uh no here's a question that was already answered and this is from mrs wexler and i believe she was one that did that uh, i believe she was one that did the cartoon drawing of you today on twitter wasn't that cool yeah Awesome. So the 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 Breaking Bad and the Gilliverse and the, all these uh, these talented people out there. They're so very very talented. We have a lot of talented people out there. Keep tagging us. We love to see that stuff. It's fantastic. Now I'm just going to acknowledge her question because she says I've heard multiple times that the writers like to write themselves. Excuse me, into a corner. Have there been any corners this since we talked about that? I just want to mention that. And I think you mentioned this as well too. But this is from Michelle. She says, "Can someone answer? He did the I broke my boy speech. And yeah, you right." And that, that was so, you see the, the, the sorrow in, in, uh, in Mike's eyes. Oh, and this is uh, important as well, too. You talked about chicanery, um, and you mentioned the loss of your mom. I've lost my mom as well, so I, I feel, uh, you know, serious condolences for the loss of your mom. We always think our parents are immortal, don't we? Just like it. Yeah, right. I know, right? I wish they, I wish they were still here. Um, I'm sure she was very proud. Uh, continuing on, so we got uh, question April in um, in Gnome East. Whose idea was it? I'm not sure of Gnome East. Whose idea was it for actual bowling balls? I'm not sure what that was, but I guess that would be, uh, yeah, so you know the episode. I do. I do. Uh, that was my first directing episode. Um, whose idea was it for actual bowling namaste. balls? Namaste. Namaste. I'm getting tech, voice to text. Sorry. No, no, yes. Namaste. Uh, it, that, I, I, can't, I, I can't remember actually. I think it was me or Tom or some combination of the two or we went through, I mean, this was one of those things that was pitched in a whole sequence, right? So we knew that we wanted to do something. We knew that it was something, we wanted it to be something petty and sort of vandalish. And we pitched all these things. We pitched all these different versions and, um, and we pitched different kinds of damage that could be done. And really it was just like, you know, a bowl and, and different things he could throw or different things he could like, at one point we were pitching, he climbs up a tree and like goes out on a limb and drops something. And then we're just like, he can throw a bowling ball over that fence. He can have a bowling ball. And I, this one I know, Tom found this great video of this guy, I'm sure it's, it's, it was a viral video a long, long time ago, of this guy lining up for, for a, a not a bowler, a throw, yeah, and releases way too late. Oh, the ball goes up and it hits the drop ceiling, and they all fall, collapses. It, yeah. And we're like, you know what? If you can do that with a bowling ball that you're just trying to roll, uh, you could probably get it over a fence. So it became something where we're like, you know, this is almost it's almost purpose built for yeah. the thing. Uh, so it just felt too too good to pass up. And then it was you know figuring out the the mechanics of what he's trying to do and how that would look uh so that you know is we, we we sort of i feel like sometimes our our some a lot of our scams are they're like they're, they're like sculpting in marble instead of sculpting in clay mm-hmm. so you, you you knock a piece of marble off and now you see a little bit better what what the shape is and you knock another piece off and then it gets more and more refined and more and more refined not that i know this the pure process of sculpting and marble but it's not you're not building you're not adding things to it you're yeah. you're taking away things and then once you the more you take away the smoother the edges get so well and i find it believable too because a lot of people would take the easy way out i mean especially when you're trying to get the best you know uh on screen time for each of your characters stuff like that i mean i think i think he had three balls to throw over was that correct you remember okay and the first one missed Right. And I mean, you could have easily said, boom, jackpot, you sank my battleship on the first shot. But, you know, that sets it up. Right. And maybe he's going to fail at his attempt because, I mean, Jimmy sometimes comes up with these ideas and they they're kind of like me. They backfire really bad. Right. And pulled off. Yeah, yeah it could have been it could have been something that he he could have gotten caught while yeah. he was doing it. Um, you know, that was certainly a possibility, uh, especially especially I feel like 
And that, that was, you know, we, we talked about this because he gets, he, he lands it on the second ball and then he throws another because <laughs> he's already done it. He's already damaged the car. He's already thrown a ball and put a pretty hefty divot in the Jaguar's hood. Yep. Uh, but he doesn't, that's not enough for Jimmy. So Takes out the windshield, <laughs> the back windshield. That was great. And then, yeah, I love how Howard's explaining laughter too. Yeah, he threw bowling balls, nearly destroyed my car. You know, I just, I love Patrick's delivery. That line was great when he's talking to Kim. Uh, Karina says, and this is funny because I, not, not Karina's statement, but I, when I said Gnome East, my better half, Sandra, she, she uses voice to text to text me from upstairs what these questions are. And you know what Siri's like or any kind of voice to text, right? Sometimes some things come out very inappropriate. And I, and I'm like Ron Burgundy. I'll read anything that's put on the, on the teleprompter. So I don't mean to offend anybody if I say something crazy. <laughs> Karina says, we'd be directing another episode as well. So you've got one in the can so far, partially. Do you think you'd be directing this year or next year, I should say? My, my, my hope is I, I i believe that's in the planning hopefully good but you know if 2020 has taught me anything it's hold everything lightly yeah yeah the future is an undiscovered country so uh yeah it sure is well, hopefully mm-hmm. i have my fingers crossed for you as well too a uh, blazing gardener says if you could adopt any work of classic literature into breaking bad universe what would it be wow that's a great question Bring it into the Breaking Bad universe, or in the style of Breaking Ah, uh, wow. I mean, I feel like the the to me the maybe this is just because of whatever, but uh, the the classic literature that feels most Breaking Badish to me is Dostoevsky, the the classic, the big the big novels, right? Mm-hmm. So, so Devils and. Uh, and Karamazov and and Crime and Punishment, those those all feel and to some extent, even like the gambler. But uh, yeah, I feel like Dostoevsky feels like he's, he's in that same world of brought really rich characters doing bad things and doing good things and trying to figure out what the right thing to do is against uh, a very complicated backdrop. Nice. Very nice. Good question. She, Blazy has good questions. All of our fans here have great questions. Uh, Teresa Gordon says, please show us the mug that you're drinking from. I'm not sure if she's it's talking to you or me, so we both have some. Got, you got some better call salt. I love yours, man. Nice. The Insider Podcast. Peter, very generously, Peter Gold made these mugs for, for folks uh, on our, because we, we do a podcast about the yeah. episodes to, to fans and uh and it's a great mug. It's it huge. is. I know, right? It looks almost like I had a bowl of clam chowder today. I, you know? Great. It's great. For, it's a good soup mug. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Very nice. Um, Renata says, uh, during the filming of Bagman, please tell us what the parts were heavily, uh, what parts were heavily improvised. Bob Odenkirk must have had some surprises that worked. I know a lot of, a lot of the things tend to be scripted, right? There's not always a lot of improvisation, but was there in that one? Um, you know, in the song when he was singing uh, 99 Bottles of Beer on the Wall, we had written, we, we'd written, uh, yes, so I, we'd written uh, through take a dollar, pass it a roller, and we needed more. We needed more for the second go, because we, we, when we actually, you know, you, you write it and you kind of go, this is what he's doing, and then it, it, it should sort of accordion out over the space mm-hmm. but we needed more we as we were actually blocking it and seeing how long it took and when he would be, when he would be kind of catching on and stopping singing um and so bob was like how about he's like i don't think he would just repeat the same bad rhyme now that he's found it what if we do take a buck pass it for luck and i'm like that's great i love it uh, and so, so that's, that's what he did, but it wasn't, it was less in the vein. He's, he, Bob is a, a writer at heart and he, he does, he does change things sometimes, but if they're very small and usually he'll be like, Hey, I wanted to change this work. So it's less of a, it's less like it comes out of him and you, you just go, Oh, he said that thing. It's more like he will say, you know what? I was thinking about adding this, or I was thinking about changing this. What do you think? And then we sort of talk through if there's if there's something that needs to be preserved or some way we can kind of collaborate. So it's it's, it's another collaboration, less yeah. than a pure improv. Um, not that Bob is not Bob. I'm, Bob's improv skills are incredible, and obviously there are times where we are like just let him run, see yeah. what he does. 
Um, but that's also kind of, he's got so much to do. He has so much work to do. He has so many lines to do. It's almost unfair to just be like, you know what, we're just not going to write this scene. You go ahead. Yeah. It's like, you know, we want to at the very least be like, hey, this is what we think this should be. If you can do better, do better. But like, yeah. yeah, you have to you go know, in with confidence. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's rare that, that it's a, a, it is rare that it's a pure improv. It's, it's things that'll be tweaked for, for all the actors. They want to know that they're very good about saying like, hey, I'm having trouble getting this word or this rhythm or this thought out through these words. And you sort of talk through what, what you want and what you need from mm -hmm. the character. I'm assuming in an episode like uh, Wexler versus Goodman, and when um, when uh, you know Jimmy's doing the green screen stuff, you know, and I'm assuming that was a little bit of ad lib uh, when he's doing some of his one offs, right? Was that or is that scripted too? Uh, yeah, mostly scripted. Okay. But occasionally he'll, he'll he'll rip things, but very very little. Okay, know? that's there's, good to know. There's less. I, I guess it would be there's less than you think, and it probably is less more improv -y than you think because more often it's like it's working it out with the writer and director to be like what do you think of this is this feel right because sometimes it's sometimes it's great but he he wants to know that we're we're doing the right thing especially because you know the reason that the writers are there on set is because we know through the whole we know we know several episodes past yeah where, where we are and so we can say, you know, I like it, but you're, but I think you're. We want to protect for something else, or right. what if we did this? So yeah. you know, it's it's always a dance, but it's it's a it's a very healthy, I think, collaboration. Agreed, agreed. Here's two questions from my better half, and of course, I have to ask them because she makes this show what it is. So if I don't ask her questions, number one, this is kind of a comical question. She says, "How does it feel to have a better mustache than the broad stash man himself?" I'm not sure if you saw my older shows, but I had the full full blown Derek Smalls mustache, and I shaved it for for a Halloween costume. Um, so you're outdoing me by far. So there you go. Nice. You're outdoing me. And she's noticed some tattoos. She spots jewelry and tattoos and that kind of stuff. Can you tell us a bit about your tattoos? Uh, sure. I mean, I have, I, I don't know. I got into, I, I have a bunch of quotes. They're oh, all cool. Various, but they're just, they're, there's single quotes from um, works of literature that I, I like or, you know, meant something to me. I've got a, you know, I've got a Camus. I've got a, check off just some of my you know my my heroes and and people that i think have interesting things to say so just have to they're they're all over i have i've i've been kind of cut off in the pandemic but i have a couple in the pocket that i'm ready to do because it takes they're they're somewhat this is a whole thing i'm sorry but they're somewhat symmetrical so every time i do one on one side it has to take up the same area and same kind of space on the other side. So, no, that makes sense. I would, yeah, if I did that, I would be doing the same. Oh yeah, so I have to find quotes that have the same, that I can lay out the same on both sides and then fit into the space. So it's a whole, it's a whole process. Are you telling your tattoo artist, okay, it has to be a size 18 font, uh, it's gotta be cursive or? <laughs> oh, I do it. Oh, you do it yourself. I, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I lay them out and then I check them out and I print them and I kind of lay them out and then I take them out to my tattoo artist who's does is fantastic with text because they're all text. Yeah, and, uh, and he's really great about it. And we, you know, we do, there's obviously adjustment, but he's he's amazing at kind of getting the lines and and these tiny little things. Yeah, so I, I do the laying out and then. Isn't that yeah. something? Isn't Probably that something? Eighteen points and the whatever. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna be selfish for a second and ask one of my other questions I had on the agenda for the evening. So, uh, back with uh, what was it? Season four, um, something beautiful. Another one of my favorite episodes. Like, I mean, you've written several of my favorites. Chicanery that we talked about earlier. Um, obviously, Bagman, great. But bringing with that episode, you brought in both Ira and Gail Bedecker, uh back. And I, I know if I if I got the story st straight somewhat, I think uh, near the end of season one, wrapping up that, I think Peter uh, ran into um, David and they had some dinner and talked about, you know, it'd be nice maybe sometime bring Gail back in. Were you like, first of all, it's so cool to bring in these characters from Breaking Bad. That's got to be a cool moment for you. But did you did you say in the writer's room, hey, I've got guys and girls, I've got the right moment for Gail to come back in. How did that work? Uh, and I know it was very brief too because he was filming something else and he only had like a day to shoot. But how did that kind of all the ducks get in a row for that. Um, yeah, it is. It was threading the needle because he's, you know, he's, he's on billions and he's fantastic and demands deservedly. So, um, 
such a lovely guy. And um, I can't remember exactly how we came to it. I think it was more like we were sort of starting to ask the question of what's where, what's the state of Gus's enterprise right now? We wanted to know. We, we just, you know, since we brought him in in season three and we kind of laid the groundwork of how, what some parts of it, where he was. Um, and so we wanted to know. And we, we, we looked at the timeline that was sort of established and asked, could, could he be talking to Gail? Could he be working on this now? What, what, and if he's working on this now, it, it sort of opened up the question of, all right, so if he's knowing Gail, we, we had in mind, I think, at that point, that we would be heading towards, you know, at the end of season four, our Germans arriving, or in the middle of season four, our, our, our Germans to build the super lab arriving. Um, and so we felt like we should be checking in with Gail because Gail pretty much designed the super lab. So um, yeah, so we, 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 we just got lucky and we, we, we pitched it, you know, sometimes we do that, we pitch and we're like, all right, hopefully he's available. Hopefully we can thread the needle. Hopefully we'll be able to get him and be able to make this, this work. Um, and then it was just, you know, it was just a, a joy to do, and we, we we were able to get him to, you know, sing the element song, which yeah. was something, uh, you know, that Vince had wanted Walt to sing way back, uh, had had always thought it would be great, uh, and we got to put it, we got to have have uh, Gail do it, and he he nailed it. Memorize the lines very quickly. That's a lot of words. It's a lot of words. <laughs> A lot of words, yeah. I mean, I sometimes try to recite Old MacDonald How to Farm, and I got to like, okay, let me go on Google here real quick. Yeah. Um, here's a good question, and it, was, it leads into something I was going to ask as well, too. I read something, um, I, uh, some of my friends, were, and uh, Karina was one of them. She sent me a link. Uh, Giancarlo did an interview recently saying um, they're looking at, you guys are all looking towards March, whatever, to start shooting. And this goes over to Joss's question. So he says, uh, what are the difficulties about writing the next season, knowing that the actors are going to have to social distance? Uh, has that painted you in any corners? We talked about painting corners. Now there's physical things now, not just words on 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 the paper. Um, how's that going to work for you for the team and writing well, for that? Yeah, I mean, we have been writing the show that we write. Mm -hmm. Honestly, we are. You know, we know that there's going to be comes up in production, but there's always stuff that comes mm -hmm. up in production. Honestly, it's it's going to the it's very difficult for us to anticipate. We could write our, we could, we could psych ourselves out and be like, oh, well, you know, it would be impossible with these restrictions to do blank. But we, and then we'll, if we talk to our producers, they'll be like, oh no, that's not actually that difficult. This other thing is difficult, which happens all that has, has happened across the board with all these other, with other things that would have seemed impossible or just seemed, you know, too difficult. We, we thought that it's speaking of like something beautiful. It was very difficult to burn the car that it, at the end of the act to have the cousins show up and burn the car. That was really difficult on our, we, we were shooting that in February. So we had very limited daylight um, and we were way out. We, we were, you know, like an hour, hour and a half out of Albuquerque. So just, just the logistics of that were extremely difficult, but we figured it out. So we are hoping that the, we, we're not a crowd heavy show. Um, we are, you know, we don't have a ton of characters that, that need to be in, in tight spaces. Mm -hmm. And we're an outdoor show a lot. Yeah, We have shows, stuff that, that are out there. So, you know, maybe it's, it's naive, but I, I think we're, we're writing the show that we're, we're, we're trying to end the show that we've been making mm -hmm. without making that, without making those concessions. And we'll have to figure out how that works with the, with this, how that, how we can do that safely. Mm -hmm. We don't, we don't hundred percent know how how to do it safely, but but we know we're 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 either going to do it safely or we're we're not going to do it. Yeah, you so wait. You wait. Like, all right, we'll, we'll we'll we can we can wait if that's necessary. No one that's no one's hoping for that. But, no, you know, we'd rather it's a it's a it's a TV show. We don't want to put people's. No, lives there's two options. It's do it do it safe or wait. Yeah. Right. It's do yeah. it right and do it safe. Yeah. Or it's do it right after you know when when we can do it right. We that's just right. don't want to make it kind of I, I and it's not even that sounds very snooty like we're we're i, I don't know it, it sounds like we're, we're we're being you know aesthetes of some kind but i i just it's it, i don't think we could write that show i just i feel like adding that extra because we have so many other corners as we've been talking mm -hmm. about I, I think if we tried to be like okay so we can have this character here if we were trying to figure out 
without without the benefit of, of a, a location or a locations manager or just knowing where we're going to shoot certain things we just we just have to stop i don't i just yeah. don't know how we could do it it would break our brains it's breaking my brain even thinking about it. i know well like you said you've got so many things in your favor i mean it could be worse it could be a studio studio shots all the time 90 99 you know on a sound stage and then you know then you're a little trickier right outside is good you know that's outside, studios are actually good though because they're controlled well so. yeah ventilation and yeah all that stuff yeah yeah lots of things everyone's kind of learning right now too you know um, without going to full details marshall adams he had shared something with us um when he was on the show uh, how the the project he's working on right now and how they're doing things together so you know all the creatives can talk together and hey oh how are you guys doing that how are you guys doing that and you can all kind of you know because everyone wants to get back filming you know what i mean everyone wants to film you can learn from we're, we're trying to learn from people that are going now people, people are shooting mm-hmm. and they're shooting safely and some people are doing different things and they're trying to match what they're trying to learn from what people are doing right and you know figure out how we can use those things for ourselves but you know every show's different and every show yeah. runs slightly different every show shoots different so yeah we're, we're, we're just gonna do, we're gonna do the best we can and 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 hope that we can we can kind of deliver the show that we we've been been making yeah i got i don't i don't know how we I, I feel like we will. Oh, I think you will too. I got the same impression from Tom. You know, you know, Tom and I would talk off the air before the show, and we'd even mention this. Tom had mentioned on on the show. They know we're like when I say we, you guys, uh, you guys and girls, we're not changing the show for what's going on. You know, we just have to we have to wait till the the path is clear. But the show is going to be the show, and we have a, an end in mind, and we're going to get there, right? We're not going to you're not going to change it. Okay, now we suddenly have a pandemic because in the world of Breaking Bad, there was not this pandemic. You know, so it doesn't exist technically. You know, so we have to ignore it. Um, but be safe about it. April has a question. Says, "Do you have any other projects besides this at the moment?" So we we always talk about that too. After after the you know we don't want to think about wrapping this up. You know uh, the the uh, Better Call Saul. But do you have other things in the pipeline that uh, you're working on, or even currently right now? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm developing some things. I have a a, a memoir that that I think was announced that I'm I'm working on. Um, you know, those are all they're they're at a low boil because I I don't. They're, they're, they're so far in the future because okay. we, we, we haven't finished this. But, but I am, you know, I, I think that's the nature of the, the business. You can't, you can't wait until you're done with something to kind of start thinking about where you're going because otherwise, because things, it, it, everything moves very slowly, especially development, like make, writing something and getting it on air. It doesn't, sometimes it happens very fast, but mm-hmm. more often it, it just yeah. takes takes some taking so you kind of want to start thinking about like okay what am i doing in a year what am i doing after that yeah uh, so i'm thinking about it and i'm working on stuff ideas keep keeping the irons in the fire for sure that's good i think tom's gonna be working at cinnabon and this is all over <laughs> that would be great he would make a hell of a cinnabon yeah, <laughs> yeah for so sure I, I would eat tom's cinnabons okay and you know what i could just imagine if tom was on the show right now i oh my god he's i i I, you know i never prepared for the things that he would say and i love it i mean it's all family friendly but some of the things he would surprise me and so i just have a i have a feeling that comment the way you said that would spark a really good reply from tom so i I hope so i'm gonna cue that up i'm gonna say tom look what look what he said here at this point um here's a good question a really good question uh from michael um, question for Gordon: Does Mike have further to fall, further to fall, or is he pretty much the dead eye killer we know in Breaking Bad? That is a, that is an excellent question. That is a really really good question. Um, I do think that there are some for him to go. He's pretty close. He, he's he's been pretty close. I think. I think for him, I think the death of having to kill Werner, hmm. you know, the guy that he really liked and he, he felt a kinship with, was a big step because it was a very it was a challenge to his loyalty and his self of sense self-preservation and what he was willing to do to be a criminal um and he he did it and he kind of worked his way through what that meant for him and came back around to being a kind of loyal person for for uh, for us so i do think he's pretty pretty close um i do think hopefully we're 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 finding some 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 new territory uh as we're getting closer to the end for him that that can shed some light on some other other corners of his journey but mm-hmm. 
he is, you know, a stone a stone cold killer, you know, for when he's needed to be. But even in Breaking Bad, there were moments less and less and less in Breaking Bad than than now. But you know, he would have a heart and have a conscience. I mean, there's times you know when he even let Lydia go, um, you know, and and just there's just certain moments where you could still feel that heart, and you're seeing it a little bit. Mike's slipping now, right now, into that full blown kind of uh, as Jimmy's going into Saul, Mike is going into that that role, whatever his role is too. But I mean, letting um, what was the example? I'm thinking of uh, um. Oh, I totally lost it with oh with with Nacho with Nacho right? You know he's talk, talking to Gus. He's like, can, can we should let, we should let Varka go. He's been loyal, blah blah blah. And you know he was really he really felt it. And I think he saw you know his dad, the relationship with his dad, and he really felt that you know we got to let him go. And that's he's going to lose that soon. You know he's not going to be that caring guy as much anymore because he's he's paid to do a job, right? Yeah. And you have you have to answer to your superiors too. Here's a question, a uh, good one. I know a lot of people are thinking about this. And this is more, maybe we can use you as a fan hypothesizing because I know you may not be able to answer uh, fully, but Lori says, uh, have the writers discussed doing a full Gene episode? Oh, yes. Good. 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 That's, I think that's all we have to say on that (laughs) without going too far, but that would be fantastic because that we're going to have three extra episodes, correct? So that, that buys some time. And I know the stories, I mean, it's not just, okay, we got three more. So let's just throw everything at the, at the fan and see what what happens, but it's nice. Now you can let some things breathe a little bit. I mean, I I do think one way or another, however many episodes or, or pieces that we see of it. Um, I do think it's important to that, that part of the journey is important. Exactly. Um, here is a good question from from Nat. Uh, she uh, she says, so uh, you're a writer's assistant and I guess probably a production assistant and everything as well too in Breaking Bad. Um, can you kind of tell us about the role? Did you type down everything that was said? Was it almost like a, you know, like taking the minutes or was there any audio recorder? How, did, how does your job work, she's asking. Uh, yeah. That's an, that is an interesting question. Um, writer's assistant, I can, I'll, I'll speak to that one. I think it's more of the question, but... Um, writer's assistant, you do you take like minutes. So what you're trying to do is not, you don't want to write down absolutely everything that's said for a variety of reasons. Um, you are trying to kind of capture the essence of a pitch because it's it, it, it when you're pitching, you're always kind of on the edge of not making any sense because you, you can't wait until you've kind of written the whole thing out in your head to pitch it. It just doesn't, you can't, you can't do it. You, because also because you want to sometimes throw out an idea that is not fully formed because it's not the, it's not the idea, but it's a direction. And so hearing it will help shape the conversation. So um, that, that all that to say is the, the job of the writer's assistant is to capture those moments of lightning in a bottle, but also to protect people from sounding like idiots. You don't want to read the notes and be like, oh, God, I just blathered there. You want to get the essence yeah. of what's said and, and make it sound a little bit better. Like, I, I'm not I'm not a well-spoken person and I'm not certainly not a well-spoken person when I'm like pitching because yeah. I just I, I you know, I things fragment and they they fall apart so it's it's the job of the writer's assistant is to kind of pull some of those pieces together and be able to preserve a record of kind of what the pitches are not just the ones that are landing but the ones that aren't pieces of things you, you want to kind of be able to have a record of what the day looked like we do not record it um for the same reason that you don't you don't you, you just don't want a record mm-hmm. you don't want a record because it's again it, it's not because it's like we're we're sitting in plotting something nefarious or something. It's just, if you record it, suddenly there's a little bit of a chilling factor because you can't, you can't let it, let it rip. You can't, yeah. you're, you're thinking about posterity instead of thinking about the characters. You're thinking about how it sounds to try a pitch mm-hmm. rather than just trying to pitch, just rip it, just, just, just throw it out there. So anything that makes you feel more self-conscious in the room tends to be, ugh, it's just not great you just don't want it as much as you can um so the writer's assistant is very is super crucial because they're as everyone's pitching and they're trying not to be thinking about how it writes or how it looks or or anything like that you're just trying to think about the 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 kernel of the idea they're kind of pulling it together and writing down you know these these notes that are uh the beats of the story the beats the the essence of the dialogue that's pitched any anything key in the dialogue um, and then those things kind of go with the cards that we make 
uh, when we're sort of formalizing what we're actually doing. Um, so those two pieces are the things that you have that kind of record what the scene and what the episode and what, what the ideas are. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, obviously another, we talked about contribution several times tonight. So another major contribution though, and just in your role alone and the writer's assistant, production assistant, I mean, it's contributions that that help the, the whole team overall. Uh, just a couple last questions before we wrap up here. Just about done. Uh, statement from Jennifer Stevens. Jennifer Stevens is one of our new channel members, which is nice. Thank you, Jennifer. She joined, I think, today. I'd buy a Gordon Smith bobblehead. We'll talk about some bobbleheads in a minute. <laughs> That'd be great. Get some writers, bobbleheads. And uh, we're working pretty closely with those guys, with uh, Warren Royal over at Royal Bobbles. And you never know. Um, they're going to be making some uh, announcements sometime soon. It's Breaking Bad, uh, Better Call Saul related. So we'll watch for that. Maybe we'll have some writers. I get all the writers here on my desk as well, too. Uh, and another super chat from Sank Vicharit says, do you believe the characters in the Gilliverse are victims of circumstance or a result of choices leading down the bad choice road? That's a good one. And that could be for bad choice road. We talk about Jimmy, but I mean, that could be anybody. Are they a victim of circumstance or are they, are they getting on that road and that's their fault? You know, I, that is a great question. I think, um, like like I was saying about sort of tra- the, the, the essence of a tragedy, right? Like we, we use the word tragic. I remember this was something that like one of my uh, drama teachers was just so adamant about. It, was, it, it infuriated him the way that modern parlance uses the word tragedy and tragic because they just use it to mean something bad happened. But the essence of a tragedy, he was like just super adamant about this. So it's always stuck with me is that the actions of the characters lead to their fate. Their fate can is absolutely preordained because these are, you know, the, the essence of it is from a different mindset that says, no, 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 you have no control over it. you. Your, your free will is sure you have free will. Good for you. But like, you, you, but that's not to say that your choices don't lead you to your fate. So mm-hmm. I think it's a weird way on the knife's edge between both of those, those two worldviews that they are victims of circumstance because they're the victims of the world, right. And the world that they're born into and the world that sort of forms them and the, the fate that's sort of waiting for them, but they don't get, you don't get there without making those choices. And that's the thing that makes it tragic is that as they're going, you can see, and sometimes the, the, the tough part for us is to dramatize exactly. It is the bad choice road. I mm-hmm. think that was why that was such a perfect title and such a, an important moment for us is it's, there's two paths there before you and you can take one or you can take the other and you have that choice. There is a choice. And you, you, for us, it's this showing like, no, no, they're what you could have, they're, they're, you're at a moment. See, at this moment, you could do this. Yeah. And, and then seeing the characters not, and you're like, no, don't do that. Don't, mm-hmm. oh, no, you could have just, uh, you could have just done this. And yep. then you, you kind of can feel that it's, it's some part of, it's, it's another piece of Jimmy's soul that slipped away, or it's another it's another notch down the road that's that's leading you to a bad direction. So you, you know what I just thought of? I, I it's kind of creepy that I thought about this. It is Friday the thirteenth. It's like in you know, any Michael Myers movie, or sorry, Jason movie, I should say. Uh <laughs> sorry. Any Jason movie, you know, it's a blonde girl running into the shed. Don't go in there. Right? That's a bad choice road. She's going in there, she's blonde, she's first to die. It, it just happens, right? That's, and she knows that. That's what she got on. Before, before I ask the very last question for the evening, it's a, it's a good question from from Mao, if I'm pronouncing the name right. You and I were talking about this off the air earlier, and then the question about the bobbleheads come up. So I put a thing on, on Twitter yesterday. I, I had all the nice Better Call Saul figures from bobbleheads.com, and I, we have two new cats, as I shared with you off the air. And Wendy, our biggest new cat, she went over across my amp and she knocked over Kim Wexler and, and she snapped her head off. Kim was decapitated on the ground and, um, and I was quite heartbroken about it. And uh, so anyways, I tried to fix it and I, I was able to fix it. And she kind of looks like Frank and Wexler. I tried to put it up to the camera. I'll put it to this camera here because well, you probably can't, the audience probably can't see it. Try to... Anyways, it's very bad. It's Frank and Wexler. And, I, and the caption I put on, on my tweet was, I said, uh, writers, please don't let this be a premonition of, uh, uh, of the future of Kim Wexler. And then, you know, a lot of people are like, no, no, no. And, and, then, and then even Ray, she commented, she says, I would like to speak with this Wendy of yours. And then the Saul Goodman account says, uh, uh, says uh, season six finale. And it better call Saul team, the social team says, shut your mouth. And it just spawned this whole big, big thing. But I'm, I'm assuming, you know, we won't go to, you've, you've been interviewed a million times and asked the same question about the future of Kim. But I mean, even as a fan, you know, I know all of you, the cast and crew, writers, everybody are fans of the show as much as you are employed by the show. You're probably waiting to see what's going to happen too, aren't you? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we don't. We, I mean, we, we want to know. Yeah. We're, we're invested. We, we, we want to know and we want it. To, but we're, I think we're invested in a slightly different way. Yeah. Perhaps, because we are trying to want to make sure that it's a satisfying journey for the character. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that whatever, whatever that ending is, that it's, it makes sense and it pays homage to, it pays respect to everything that's kind of come before. Yeah. So that's a different, different set. It's, that's a different task than just, you know, what, what happens to her. It's, it's like, how do we make sure that what happens to her and what, what, what she, where she's going and what she's doing, uh, fits. And yeah. Well, so everything, everything that she's, we want to make sure that we do it. So, yep. It's like everything she's contributed. I get it totally. She's done. She's brought so much to the table and been such a leading character that you don't want it to be like a Charlie Sheen, Charlie Harper being pushed in front of a subway train to write off the character and gone. It's got to be, got to be, you know, she might just go off into the sunset, but it's got to be for a reason, you know, but yeah. There's so many, there's so many ways. And I, again, like, yeah, you do. It's whatever, whatever happens to her. We just want to make sure that we're like, all right, that's, that's the thing that you go yeah, that makes sense. That's mm -hmm. that's that's the journey that that character's been on. That's the journey that we we we've been charting the journey of Jimmy McGill, and we want to know that they that those stories kind of make sense. Yeah, and may, yeah, we meant something on, along the way. Here's the very last question for the evening, and I really appreciate everyone's questions tonight. Uh, you're always the best in the chat; it's phenomenal. So, Mao has a question: Have you come across any YouTube videos or podcasts analyzing Better Call Saul? Uh, and if so, have they served as thought material for your views on certain elements of the show? Because there's a lot of great theories out there. Some theories, I think, sometimes it's surprised some of the writers. Have you? Do you watch any of that stuff? Uh, no. No. I, I try to stay away. It's 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 all it's all great, and I've seen stuff for for other shows that mm -hmm. you know, and theories kind of percolate out, and they're 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 very interesting. And I'm I'm always it's it's such a great thing because it's like, you know, that's that's what kind of the best version of like criticism is, is you're like looking at it and you're engaged and you're trying to figure out how it fits together and you're, you're trying to figure out where it's going and what it's doing. And, and that's great. And I, I love that. And I love that people are engaged enough to, to think about these mm -hmm. things and to bring their own creativity to it, which I think that's what it is. It's they're bringing their own creativity to these stories. Um, that said, I don't want their creativity to uh, not, I, I just, it, it's hard enough for yeah. us to kind of be clear on kind of what we're, what we're doing and what we want. Um, so we want, we, we do, obviously there's certain things that just like, they, they're too, they get loud. And so we, we hear them because people, people interact with us in various <laughs> forms, but hopefully it doesn't feel like it, I'm not, I'm not trying to disrespect. People oh no, no, we just, know that. Just trying to say, personally, I feel like, I would be too swayed because I feel like then I would be taking up the, the charge of somebody else's idea mm -hmm. or I would be trying to refute somebody else's idea. Either way, I'm just like, you know what, let those, let those ideas that be where they are and, and hopefully we're aware enough of the, the impulse behind them that we are uh, trying to address them. I get it 100. percent I and it's I, obviously because I'm a musician. I always give a music analogy, but maybe you'll appreciate this, or it might make sense. Um, in the music world, I know a lot of professional recording musicians, like you know, uh, international touring artists, recording artists, and you know, sometimes they're ready to get ready to record. They're, they're doing pre pre production, and you might say, "Hey, I want to show you this guitar riff I got," and they're like, "No, please don't send me anything." And there's a reason for it. They don't want to be like you know. They, they first of all, maybe they might like it. Maybe it. Maybe they hate it. But they don't want outside influence sometimes, you know. And, and it can be a distraction. As much as it's, we would all love it. I'm sure you'd love the fan theories. But sometimes you need to just tune it out. And your vision is your vision, and with the team, with their vision. Yeah. Exactly. Well, listen, we have do, we've done it, man. This has been 60 minutes. This has been an absolute pleasure. I've been waiting for this for a long time. Uh, it, it's been great. I hope you had fun as well. Yes, thank you so much. Thanks, thanks for having me. Thank you for stepping into my kitchen with me. And uh, <laughs> you didn't even have to heat your tea up once. That's pretty good. No, no, that's good. That's good. Well, it's nice to be in your kitchen cooking with Gordon. Yeah, that's. Hey, there's another one. Not we don't yeah. need Gordon Ramsay. Exactly. That's right, Gordon. We'll get we'll get the real Gordon, the one that doesn't yell so much. Although I, I haven't known you for too long, so maybe you do yell at the odd person. But no, you're good. 
Awesome. Well, just before we go, just a few people, I made some notes to thank as well, too. Obviously, my beautiful better half, Sandra Lee, for running the chat efficiently, as she always does. Our YouTube channel members, we've just ro- rolled that out now. You can hit uh, music gear, sorry, youtube.com slash Network slash join. You can join the team right now. All kinds of cool stuff. We have Patreon supporters. Thank you so very much. Our moderators, our YouTube subscribers, our super chatters, our PayPal donators, and those that purchase our merch from the Broadstash Boutique, something that I'm not worthy of saying anymore because Gordon has a better mustache than me. So thank you so much all very much and we've run out of Fridays for 2020 Um, so we're opening up a few Wednesday nights so next Wednesday we have uh, James Austin Johnson to the program obviously Fred from Travel Wire and uh, he's doing the uh, Scooby Don impressions quite uh, Donald Trump impressions pretty darn good pretty darn viral right now and uh, we're going back to writers again too next week on Friday night a week from tonight Heather Marion's here so we're looking forward to having her. We're going to continue on. Check out our Instagram at Instagram.com slash Inside the Gilliverse. And uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. We'll keep in touch and we'll try to do this again maybe uh, mid, mid-spring or actually maybe towards the summer of next year where you guys hopefully will be into it and we'll see where you are and give us some updates. Awesome. Thanks, Eric. It's been great. Thanks, Don't... Don't go away. I'll say goodbye to you off the air. Everyone, thanks so much. Have a safe weekend out there. Please be very, very safe. It is getting bad out there, and the, the safer we are and adhere to what uh, some people are telling us, it would be good. We'll all get back to work safe soon, and Better Call Saul will be filming sooner than later as well, too. We'll see you next week, and until then, cheers. Thanks again for tuning in to Inside the Gilliverse with Eric Broadbent. Be sure to check back each week for more great discussions and interviews with cast and crew from Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul.